0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As if they don't have too much on their place. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast trying to Talk about the things they <laughs> did that day. Well, analyze the work of Vincent Triple
1: H. We wanna smack down, we wanna smack down. We wanna smack down, 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 to SmackDown. Hello everybody, welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock here, alongside Wei Ting, here on a Tuesday night coming off of a pretty eventful episode of SmackDown from Atlanta. We got everything from Brock Lesnar to choke slams through tables and offset was this the SmackDown you envisioned way?
0: No, not at all. I I wouldn't have envisioned uh, even two of those things. Well, maybe two of them, but certainly not all three on the same show.
1: Uh, yeah. So we have lots to talk about uh, with SmackDown. Um, how should we start? What do What do you want to get into first?
0: Maybe a bit of uh Either the news or uh, what's coming up this week
1: or our contest. What do you think? Let's start off with the contest, way. What is this magical contest we do every Tuesday night? Every single Tuesday, as a way to thank all of our
0: wonderful patrons at our uh, Patreon, which is the Post Wrestling Cafe, we give out a t-shirt and stickers and a postcard to uh, somebody who is a, a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So as I stall for time while I bring this list up, because it always takes forever to load. Um, John, this, was is like,
1: this is like putting uh, Steve Austin or The Undertaker in the first segment. People maybe are not expecting it. You think that we're going to build to the contest. But here we're throwing you a curveball and we're doing the contest now. Are, so, you, are you suggesting they'll tune out after this? No, 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 no. Unlike unlike Raw, we, we see strong uh, second hour growth. And should we go three, I'm, I'm sure we would hold on to everybody. All right, I'm ready. Okay, so everyone that joins the post-wrestling cafe, you're automatically entered into this draw each and every Tuesday night uh, to win this uh, this post-wrestling prize pack. And we have scrolled through the names. Way has selected uh, from the post-wrestling Tumblr. The winning name and that person's name is...
0: Congratulations to Randy. Randy out of Vancouver, B.C., Uh, if there are a number of you, Randy L. Okay, Randy L. Congratulations. Yes, Randy L out of Vancouver, BC. You win a post-wrestling prize pack. So I'll be uh, sending
1: you a message. And, uh, congrats. We just had eight Randys in Vancouver, uh, go, ah, because the ninth one won. Randy L. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it sounds more like, uh, Randy W tonight. Ah, that's right, yes. Yes, instead of the L. I got it. Actually, I heard this awesome joke today. Uh, I actually linked to uh, Pat McAfee's team put a behind-the-scenes video of their first week constructing their set and how the first week went. And they had this football player on, and his name is Will. And he ends the interview by saying, so it's Will with one L? And this this guy comes back, and he's like, yeah, one L. We gave the other one to New Orleans. Because I guess they had just beat them. And I was like, damn, that is on your feet. I mean, I guess he's probably been asked that question a million times, but I guess the fact they're coming off a win, what a what a great comeback. It's one you can pretty much recycle. Uh, oh, you can use that one quite a lot. I would yeah. I would use it all the time. Yeah. Uh so there you go. Congratulations, Randy L. Um, let's quickly go through the schedule. Uh Wednesday night, it's it, or Wednesday all day, it's a busy one. We've got the British Wrestling Experience that's going to be dropping late afternoon with Martin, Benno, and Jamesy. Special interview with uh, Daniel Maccabi on that show. They're going to be chatting about the recent uh, OTT card and going through a thorough review of all the latest news. Uh, what went down at the Progress Show this past Sunday. All of that will be covered on Wednesday's show. Way and I will be back Wednesday evening with the double shot for our cafe members going through the final two episodes of glow. And I believe way has got us all up to speed or will get us up to speed on Josh Barnett's blood sport 2.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I spent most of the day yesterday watching uh, the show. I'm up towards uh filthy Tom Lawler taking on uh, Davey Boy Smith. It'll be a fun one to talk about. How long was the show? I think all in all, uh, excluding intermission, I mean, you could pretty much three hours if you just want to watch like all the action. There was like, like a prelims as well with two oh. matches.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so we'll get a report from Way on that on the double shot as well, so you can check all of that out. But late Wednesday night. Uh, the big one, Brayden Harrington and Davey Portman. They will have a show following NXT's debut on the USA Network. Uh, they'll be running through both hours, uh, hour one on USA, hour two on the WWE Network. And they will have some news of their own that they're going to be sharing on Wednesday show. And I'm sure we will be discussing said news when they come to the post office on Thursday, live in studio for the Cafe Hangout, which will be happening 3 p.m. Eastern time for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons Hope to take many of your calls as well. Coming off of NXT, we'll get everyone's reaction and all the news that is uh, going down. Then Friday, it is the return of our MCU reviews. This month, we are reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I cannot wait for this. Me neither. It'll be a fun one to talk about. Um, This is... uh, Kurt Russell? Maybe maybe we are going to rank the best soundtracks of the MCU. I'd love to uh, play that game. I mean, I don't know how many are in contention, really, but... like Maybe best best songs uh, utilized okay. uh, within okay. some of these. I think we could go through some of these for sure. Okay. Uh, so, so that's on Friday. Should be a very fun review. Uh, that will be up on the cafe. Saturday night, Davey's going to be going through the Evolve cards. There's a card Friday and Saturday. He's going to have a, a show up. Saturday night, tentatively, we'll be joined by Jesse from The Six, going through all of those. And then the week... Uh, concludes with Wei and I, Sunday night with a New Japan Destruction in Kobe post-show, uh, recapping that show from Japan with Jay White versus Tetsuya Naito in the main event. Uh, we'll go through the entire card for patrons as well. So uh great week to join the Post Wrestling Cafe, if you so choose, postwrestlingcafe.com. And now we can head into all of the news. There was quite a bit of it uh, coming out on Tuesday. So we start off with our favorite discussion every week: How many people watch Raw on Monday night? This week, the answer: two million two hundred and seventy-two thousand viewers was your average over the three hours. So they were up almost seven percent from last week. They didn't have as uh, as watched a football game as last week uh, with the double header last week, so uh, it helped them. They started off with. Uh, Just over 2.4 million viewers in the first hour, fell 4% in the second hour, and then fell an additional 10% in the third hour. So Seth Rollins and Robert Roode in the main event led to uh, just over 2 million viewers sticking around for that third hour as well. And then, of course, we had all the run-ins and such. Um, The NFL game did 11.8 million viewers. So um, year to year, it was almost identical with what football did last year, although... Raw was down this year 14.5%. Uh, th- last year's uh, week was actually the Emmy Awards were on that same night as well, I learned today. So anyway, that's kind of our whole picture here. I'm assuming, way, well, this is kind of where I'm thinking Raw is going to be most weeks is around this average, and this is going to be your typical football audience. And unless you have something really big on Raw, um, such as the draft that they have coming up, I would say 2.2 is maybe your target that you can assume... Raw is going to garner most weeks. Uh, do you see any reason um, it could be higher or even go lower than this? I mean, you know, unless there's
0: a much more stiffer competition from NFL, I, I, I agree. I think this will probably be, you know, where, where we'll be sitting at. Um, you know, it kind of remains to be seen, too, once they actually go through with the brand split in the draft, whether or not that'll help or hinder, I think, a rating like this. Um, I'm sure they have a lot of things planned to try to mitigate the losses.
1: Yeah, it, October is going to be interesting because that's always a tough month because you have the uh, the baseball playoffs as well, especially when you get to the World Series, um, which I don't know if they actually face a game on Monday. But nonetheless, there will be playoff games. Uh, but this year you have the draft, which that's one week. And I would say that the draft, I would say, probably gives you one week of mm-hmm. curiosity from people to see what the show looks like the next week. So I would be... Uh, You'd hope that they at least get one additional Monday uh, of a little bump from that as well. For sure. Uh, But anyway, October is a tough one. We will see how things go there. Um, We talked about the big cast situation on Monday's show. He did put out a statement that he actually sent through Enzo. And I'm just going to read his statement that he put out here over the WrestlePro incident from Saturday. To my fans and all concerned, I've been very honest with my past struggles and it has been an ongoing battle. On Saturday night, I obviously let my demons get the better of me and I ruined an important night for a really great guy in an unfortunate series of events. I have worked incredibly hard to get where I am and even harder to overcome my ongoing battle with depression, but I will work my absolute hardest to right the wrongs of Saturday night and apologize to Kevin Matthews, Pat Buck, Joey Janella the entire Russell pro locker room and all parties involved from the bottom of my heart. I'm getting help from family and friends as we speak and we'll be getting professional help in the near future and ask all to please respect my privacy. In the meantime, when, and if I emerge as a public figure, it will be in good faith. And I hope to inspire those who struggle with the same mental health issues that I do to seek the help they need. If Tyson Fury can do it, so can I remember I ain't dead yet and neither are you. And he signs this, uh, William Patrick Morrissey, the third. So, um, you know, yeah. From just this statement, way, I mean, it comes across as a very uh, sincere, genuine apology from him as well. I mean, he's not making any excuses. He is not disputing anything that happened. He just seems to be uh, owning the mistakes that happened on the weekend. And I think that's how it was largely received today when people read this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I read it and I felt like it. You know, it, it seems like he might be on the right path uh, to to recovery. And really, you know, it's a it's a personal struggle that he can only really answer himself. But the fact that he posted this on Enzo's Twitter, I think bodes well for the fact that he's probably, hopefully, not on social media all that much. Because I don't know how much that would really help in in a situation like this. So hopefully, he can take the time out, uh, out of the out of the you know the public eye, uh, for as long as he needs. And hopefully, he's met with the positivity when he comes back.
1: It's it's a great point you raised on Monday, um, about you know the the impact that you know being on social media is probably it's probably a good idea to not to not even be attached to this uh and just exactly not even posting this under his own uh account just staying away from that stuff i mean him coming out of this past weekend going online and just reading uh what i'm sure are some brutal comments what what possible good is that going to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so anyway uh we also had um the announcement on tuesday um impact is uh, promoting their Bound for Glory event. So, we've now got four matches announced for the show. The latest being uh, Naomichi Marfuji from NOAA coming over to take on Michael Elgin. And that joins the previously announced matches with Brian Cage and Sammy Callahan for the Impact title, Ken Shamrock versus Moose, and then Dr. Wagner Jr. and two opponents. Uh, that have not been named yet taking on the rascals and this is quite the diverse lineup i didn't know if i would see a card that would feature uh hmm. now michi marafuji and ken shamrock together uh, in 2019 but here we are
0: um i mean it seems to suggest that they're they're you know trying to reach out to all corners of i think the the wrestling world to to try to, you know, raise the level of star power, and I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what Ken Shamrock looks like right now in twenty twenty nineteen. Oh,
1: I've seen what this guy looks like. It's, it's pretty nuts what he looks like in two thousand nineteen. Uh, have we? Have you seen him in a wrestling ring? Uh, yeah, he's uh, well, I just saw um photos of him from the the recent tapings where they well, were setting this up. I guess I more meant just you know how
0: he looks. Oh, actually, in a wrestling. Yeah, I see. Gotcha. Uh, I feel like it's been a while, to my knowledge, but uh. You know like despite like you know it's it's one thing for obviously an aged fighter to you know uh fight in an, an MMA cage but in wrestling when you're when you're doing something cooperative I I'm a lot at least a little a bit more hopeful to
1: see how Ken Shamrock
0: might look like so
1: it it's got my curiosity Did you get to see Road to AEW tonight Yes I did Do you want to quickly chat about that before we go into Smackdown Absolutely Um so they put up the latest episode tonight and they started it off with Rio, and I was so confused, Wei, Um She doesn't speak English. <laughs> How can we promote a performer that doesn't speak English to an English-speaking, a majority English-speaking audience? And they utilized the tool of subtitles, and Riho felt like the most uh, amazing babyface by the end of this. She talked about... What a difference the size of the audiences in AEW compared to Japan. Then they shifted to her match with Nyla Rose on the debut episode for the women's title. And she knows she's undersized and she's the underdog. But I have no weaknesses or fear. And I want to have a clean and fair match. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I think, you know, seeing Riho's match from, from the last AEW show, one of the things that really stood out to me was... I I think the audience wasn't that reactive to that match, largely because they haven't really done a piece like this for any of the Japanese women in AEW so far. Uh, This was much needed, especially if Riho is, you know, presumably going to be, I would think, in the main event of that particular first show, if she's going for the title against Nyla Rose. So uh, I I think something like this is probably, you know, uh, overdue. Maybe just you know, due to lack of access, I don't know what what the status is of her like moving over here, how how accessible she was to film a a spot like this. But they did a great job, like from the way it looked to just the interview itself, it came across really well. And I think just even this little two three minute piece was was enough to get that AEW audience on on their side, and I, th- I
1: think they'll be invested. I, I thought this was just a great uh, profile piece. I I would have loved to have. If, you know, as she is uprooting herself and leaving Japan, like, mm-hmm. having footage of that, of, like, uh, saying goodbye to everyone as she's going off on this this huge uh, journey to yeah. go to the U.S. and, and such. Um, you know,
0: there are, like, there's so many great ideas. Um, I would love that, too, John. But I'm sure, like, this is a relatively small crew, I would think, at this point, who, who you know, are probably all over work trying to, like, put this TV show together. So, I imagine... Things like that. Hopefully, you'll start to see, like you know, piece by piece. But, but perhaps, like that's what where like being the elite might come in. That's where maybe you kind of use the more like selfie video types of things. But again, it's I, I get the feeling it's a very small crew trying to like do all this right
1: now. Uh, then we had uh, Tony Shavani in the updated control center. Yeah, virtual set. Um, standing there. Um, I like it. I like it. It looked cool. I thought yeah. it looked it looked really cool. It didn't look like... um, uh No, it, 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 I, I just thought it looked really professional. And he goes over the matches that are going to be happening on the debut episode. Cody and Sammy Guevara, which I believe is the first match that's going to happen. Uh, then Nyla Rose, Riho, uh, Jericho, and his mystery partners against uh, Kenny Omega and the Bucks. And MJF versus Brandon Cutler. And a screen lowers with MJF on the screen. And we get a uh, just fantastic segment here where MJF goes from spitting his coffee out at the name of Brandon Cutler being uttered into his assistant who he nicknamed Tons of Fun and goes on to mock Brandon Cutler for his crying over receiving a contract and then cuts a promo about Cutler that he's just an average guy with an average wife and kids and you're like the people you could be their neighbor that's fine but you're not great like me i've never been average i win at everything and this was this guy knocked it out of the park completely great promo completely between this and being the elite this was certainly
0: like a a great week to showcase mjf's incredible ability and i think already he's he's become one of the top stars but once that tv show becomes a weekly thing uh, I think he will his, his stock will quickly rise. But in a segment like this, not only did he manage to promote himself and the match, but managed to promote Brandon Cutler, reminding the audience why we should cheer for him. You know, he is the everyman, and that's uh, absolutely right. He did a great job, like, a better job of making Brandon Cutler seem like a great babyface than Brandon Cutler did himself on being the elite this week. So, a uh, great job from them. I like, like, clearly what they're going for is... The old control center segments, like you saw with Sean Mooney, you know, you have the host there throw to, uh, uh, you know, a uh, 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 promo, um, extended promo from like a wrestler just talking to the camera, uh, and this I thought was very effective.
1: I thought, Are you saying when when when, he, when we have a cage match, we'll have all the guys behind a fence? Sure. I always, I always love those. Maybe maybe like you know, in front of
0: like the same lockers. Every single week, I don't know. Oh, with the, with the phone? I I will say it was a little weird to see, like, MJF in front of, like, a green-screened version of his house. <laughs> like, with, like, a green, like, a virtual fireplace and all that. That might have been a little bit much. Um, But the idea is simply just, you know, to, to get a wrestler to cut a promo, and I thought that was very effective. I could have done without, like, some of the Tony Schiavone trying to act like, oh, no, what? What's that? Really? Seriously? Right now? I got to talk to him? That I
1: thought was a little unnecessary, but um, the rest I thought was was very good. See, I'm really curious to see because once MJF is on TNT, I see this guy being someone that gets a lot of spotlight and attention from outside media companies or just uh, people wanting to speak with this guy. And I'm very, I, I think there's certainly a way to send this guy out there because. I'm always kind of negative on when you go to, like, real outlets and stuff and you're in character. But I think this guy going – like, imagine this guy going to, like, a major sports talk radio station anywhere, New York, Boston, and that guy just sits in with the sports hosts and just runs down callers and shit. Like, there are are a lot of media opportunities where this guy can stay in character and still uh, get across because I've marveled at how this guy has been able to – pretty much walk that not even walk that line like he is this character no matter what and it's um it's oh, definitely worked yeah. worked work for him it hasn't to me shut out opportunities for him he's made them work i think
0: the difference is because he's so good at the character that i think anything that he could come up with while in character might actually be more interesting than him talking out of character which i i personally don't really care to see So, um, you know, like,
1: I think it it depends the outlet. Like, I think if you're, if you're putting him in a situation where it's like the hosts are in on it, but you know, him, him sitting in and doing a podcast with us, like, I I don't think anyone would be interested in that, but I feel that in the right scenarios, I disagree. I think there's a fun way. It's very
0: much like, you know, if you had an interview with like somebody who's like, like a broken Matt Hardy, like I, I think it would be like when broken Matt Hardy was actually like, you know, really, really popular, but I think there it's an exercise to see how
1: he will improvise and he's, he's one of the best at it right now. And then to close out the show, they went over the brackets for the tag title tournament. So we're going to get the young bucks against private party, which will be on the, october 9th when the tournament starts and then on their side it'll be the lucha brothers against luchasaurus and jungle boy uh so confirming phoenix and pentagon are in the tournament and then on the other side it'll be scu versus the best friends while the dark order receive a buy on that side and they'll face the winner of scu and best friends and the tournament will wrap up on the october 30th episode so we've got uh four episodes that this will uh take place over
0: hmm It looks good. You know, I'll say, like, I think in the months that they've had, they've really done a great job of establishing this tag team division where I think all those teams have left some sort of impression. I think they're all pretty much, like, they're all pre- really popular except for the Dark Order, and you're not even, you know, you can skip that match because they have a bye into the next round. So, uh, but Jurassic Express, uh, I think will get a great reaction. SCU, of course. You know, the best friends, I feel like they have to do a little bit more work with, but... Um, I think they'll they'll get there, and of course, Penta and Phoenix in the in the Bucks.
1: Yeah, and I guess the major team that are left out are Santana and Ortiz right now. That I right. maybe can, you know, will spin off maybe with the Bucks. Um, yeah, well, we'll they, they 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 could potentially be the uh, mystery opponents. Could be, yeah, you could do that. So anyway, uh, another really good episode. I thought of uh, Road Two uh, this week, and I think that if we're comparing uh, to tonight's final hard push for NXT's debut um, I, I've got to say I think they've done a much better job promoting the first AEW show than NXT did the first week on USA is this the right basis of a comparison though or would, would a better comparison be tomorrow
0: is NXT
1: in terms of just, their just trying given, to given the
0: outlet given like the the the, the medium
1: well I'm just saying like NXT's first episode on USA is tomorrow. So in terms of just anticipation for a first episode, yeah, I I think I guess I I meant last week's a uh, WWE Network NXT. Okay, well, if we're using that, I I still feel like they've done a better job on AEW of promoting this this first show. Like Mm if um, like I I would say if if AEW were launching tomorrow night, I I would feel very strongly that they would have the lion's share of the attention uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, we shall see.
0: You know, I I feel like I think we'll get some really accurate uh, ideas of maybe how out of the bubble AEW is, how many people are paying attention to these road twos, or if it's just like uh, us and and the people that listen to the shows like this.
1: Yeah, we're uh, we are going to find out. It'll be very interesting to see all these numbers uh, play out over the next couple of weeks. But let's get into SmackDown. Uh, Went down Tuesday night from the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. And it started out with the New Day taking on Randy Orton and The Revival. Very long match between uh, the two sides. Big E splashed Wilder onto the apron, uh, double teamed with Xavier Woods using a wheelbarrow slam. And then Wilder kicked the injured knee of Xavier Woods and they took over. And New Day eventually fired up. They cleaned house. Kofi was in. Orton ducked the trouble in paradise. We go to our first commercial. They come back, they're in control of Woods, they're attacking the knee further, and then Wilder is cutting him off, he's crawling to his corner, Orton then dumps Xavier onto the desk for our second commercial break, Kingston gets the tag afterwards, hits the SOS on Orton, but Dawson makes the save, and everyone's just running wild, Wilder hits a Tornado DDT onto Big E on the floor. They yank Xavier Woods by the leg. Everyone's down. Kingston is going for his big trust dive, but he's cut off by Orton, who sends him onto the ropes for a draping DDT, and he's setting up for the RKO, but instead tags in Wilder, and they're going for the Super RKO, but Big E pulls Orton to the floor, sends him into the post, and Kingston hits a double DDT to the Revival. Xavier Woods, who got, I I guess, a... a regenerated knee during one of the commercial breaks climbs onto the top leaps across the ring with his elbow drop. And then Kingston ducks a clothesline trouble in paradise onto Scott Dawson and gets the pin 17 minutes and 31 seconds. This six man tag goes, it was a very long TV match. And you know, I was actually a little
0: surprised that they would even do this match on the show because I think you and I, somebody might've proposed that this could potentially be Uh, a match that they might set up for a bigger show down the line but you know for tv it's fine especially seeing like that this was the blow off to this feud at least what seemed to be it was very textbook i thought pretty effective with woods you know doing well selling that injury um and i i feel like you know dawson eating the pin was fine that team is really not going to sink sink any lower and he (laughs) took a pin. They're only the the tag champions (laughs) but he at least he took a pin from the world champion right so yeah. I, I I was fine with, with the, how all this turned out.
1: It was, it was a good six man. I mean, man, looking at SummerSlam clash of champions, I'll, I'll take this six man over either of those two singles matches. I agree. Yeah. Um, so new day is in the ring celebrating and Brock Lesnar's music plays and he comes out with Paul Heyman. Kofi sends Biggie and Xavier Woods out of the ring. I don't know where these men went to. Did they just stand there this whole time? I don't know. They just, they just, like, disappeared. They had one of those, like, they just... You're not supposed to think of them. Uh, Sorry, are you talking about uh, Revival and Orton? No, I'm talking about Big E and Xavier Woods. He oh. told them he told them to leave the ring. Yeah. Uh, but did we see them, like, walk past Lesnar and go up? I thought they just kind of stayed there. They must have exited through another way. Yeah. They, they went to exit somewhere. So Brock and Heyman confront Kofi, and Heyman says that they stand in the way of... Of the longevity of Kofi's title reign, and it's a bad day for the new day. Yes, it is. Which Heyman said, I wish Lesnar had said. They issue the challenge to Kofi Kingston for a WWE Championship match Friday, October the 4th, on the Friday Night SmackDown premiere on Fox. Kofi accepts the challenge, and for his efforts, takes an F5, and is left laying... As they have set up a very big match for the debut on Fox and Brock Lesnar's first match on WWE television since March of 2004.
0: And probably not that far from his first match on SmackDown or his last match on SmackDown. I mean.
1: That was a SmackDown match. Oh, So 15 wow. years ago that he was on SmackDown the last time. You know, it's a very big match to give away on TV. This was uh,
0: potentially a program that I think some some of us wanted to see at a SummerSlam, maybe even potentially at a WrestleMania. But you can argue that this TV show coming up on uh, that Friday is going to be more important than any pay per view that they're going to have this year. So I thought it I was agree. it was a good way to inform your audience about SmackDown's move to Fox on a Friday. And Heyman did a great job here. Not only did he you know propose the match, but also specifically stated the date. This was really the first episode where we saw the, the hard push towards Fox, and you know this was probably the best way that they could get that announcement out there.
1: Yeah, it's it's no secret the Fox show is absolutely super important uh, for them. Um, I, I was told they this this idea uh, with Lesnar was in the works for a long, long time. Like they've been they've had this in mind for a long time at this point. So it wasn't a case of just. Uh, oh shoot, we're on Fox in a couple of weeks, so let's come up with something. Uh, this had been thought out for quite some time, and they ended up going through with it. So it's a big deal having Brock Lesnar wrestle on TV. It's a match that I think a lot of people will be intrigued by. And, I mean, the importance of getting off to a strong foot on Fox uh, greatly, greatly overshadows Hell in a Cell or any of the pay-per-views. So I thought this this is a match to me that's going to have a lot of buzz attached to it. And I think that people will naturally uh, believe that there's the chance that we could see a title change as well on this on this Fox debut. If the
0: goal is to maybe generate buzz to get people talking about, hey, this new edition of SmackDown that's on Fridays now on Fox, I, I would actually lean towards something like that, just something to make headlines uh, so that people are aware that this show is now on Fox on Fridays. And I think having Brock Lesnar really, like, At this point, uh, as far as, you know, your main your active roster goes, if Cena's is not available, if Ronda's not available, like Brock is probably your most mainstream star. um, It it makes perfect sense to me.
1: Could you see a a scenario where uh, Brock wins this title and they keep the titles uh, to like the WWE title stays on SmackDown and that locks in Lesnar on SmackDown?
0: Yes. But I mean, what does that mean? It's Brock Lesnar. So locked in it means what? He'll show up once every 3 months?
1: Um I mean who knows what this means? I mean this does this open the door that we could see the occasional Lesnar match a few times a year on Fox as something to uh build up to a big episode on on Fox as opposed to on USA. I feel like from what we've seen of like, you know, the way that
0: WWE treats like anytime they go to a new station, um there's a great deal of I think emphasis put on the first couple episodes and then inevitably it'll kind of drift kind of back to normal and and we'll continue get to get like the status quo of so i don't necessarily see them like doing a something like this again unless they're 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 facing a really stiff competition and it's a really important week for them to get that number up but i i personally don't see it but who knows like what the game is going to be like maybe they'll be in a panic mode six months from now and you know they'll be facing another football game and i don't know if football goes that long but It doesn't, right? Football ends January? February. February February Okay, whatever. Anyway, so I I don't see it right now, but who knows if if circumstances are dire,
1: perhaps. The timing is important, too, because this is happening on October the 4th, and that next Saudi Arabia card is October 31st, and Mm. Lesnar's been on all of those cards. So you could also do something and come back with a rematch, Um, whether it be Lesnar wins and Kofi gets a rematch in Saudi Arabia, but I would imagine Brock wrestling on that saudi arabia card uh, a couple weeks after this for sure so um yeah I, I thought this was done really well and i'm glad they did it now and not waiting another week uh, this gives you two and a half weeks to really promote this so i thought this was very effectively done kayla braxton interviews bailey and sasha banks backstage bank says she's the star of the division she's already been in a hell in a cell match becky has not and Bailey says that Sasha will answer all the questions in the ring when she takes on her rival, Charlotte Flair, tonight. And, uh, wait, today, Charlotte and her father, Rick Flair, did this Q&A for Cricket Wireless on Facebook, and I got to see about half of it, and you apparently watched the whole thing? I did, yeah. John sent me a link uh, to this because you were... There was an incredibly <laughs> awkward moment in the middle of this where... Rick is just being Rick, and he's telling all these stories about Charlotte, and Charlotte is furious and just does not want Rick to be telling more stories. The, about sto- them. the story in question
0: was something about like uh, Charlotte, you know, following Rick around when like they were simply like when Charlotte was just a kid following her dad around, and they were in Japan. And
1: Charlotte asked, "I, I found the- I found the story." Oh, they- please. Okay, so it's addressed in the Second Nature book that Rick and Charlotte and Brian Shields put out a few years ago. And it's a very underrated book. If you um, – like, it's it's very honest. By a, the standards of a WWE-released book, I, I definitely recommend it. But anyway, it's – the story in question, I think this is from 2005, and um, Ashley, Charlotte, went over with Rick for a tour in Japan with, with WWE and – Charlotte went out one night to Rapongi with The Undertaker, Rey Mysterio, Victoria, and Tori Wilson. And the way the book is done, half of it's written, it's Rick's part for half the book, and it's Charlotte's part for another half. So this is in Charlotte's words that she went with them, and th- th- that was it. Like, they went out, and then they took a cab home, and she didn't indicate, like, anything. Anything that you would think, um, so I don't know. I don't know if there's some story beyond that. How old beyond she that? been? This was 2005, so she we're looking been 19 or potentially 18. How old is she right now? She's uh, 33. 33. So this was 14 years ago or so. So this right. would have been around 19, roughly. Okay. Well, for some reason, she was quite embarrassed and wanted an end to to flare. And but you know, like she I actually... seemed more embarrassed than she was. Like he was going to tell some story that would get her in trouble. It j- right. She just felt like it. Just felt like your, like your classic, like dad. Well,
0: I, I, that's what I found so fascinating was, was, like, you know, getting a glimpse of, like, this is Charlotte Flair and this is Ric Flair. And, like, anybody, whenever their parents might show up to work or whenever your parents might have showed up to school uh, to pick you up, you know, telling stories and trying to, like, socialize with your friends, it is the most embarrassing in the world. And it was fun for me to see, like, this kind of, like, squirm Ugh, type of
1: stuff. You squirming. love this stuff, dude. I couldn't what? even – it was so uncomfortable. It cringy. I thought it was adorable. Oh, I thought it was, it was just, I, dude, I don't, awkwardness is just like, I can't, I just, it's, I had to stop. I was just I like, just it's, thought it was it's cute too that, awkward to watch. That like, like anybody, Charlotte, you know,
0: it, it gets embarrassed whenever her dad like talks about her, except her dad is Ric Flair. And she even talked about how, you know, when she started off on the main roster, she had to work with her dad all the time. And it sounded like, you know, we kind of look back at that as like sort of a, oh, that's kind of cute. You know, it's like. Charlotte and and her dad, like, managing her. How adorable. But, like, from the way she described it, I'm sure she looks back at it fondly, too, but I'm sure there was also quite a bit of, like, oh, my God, my dad's, like, on this tour bus with all of us, and she, he's talking about me, and I'm trying to be cool with, like, the boys. So that I found pretty interesting. Actually, I found it a little awkward off the top, you know, because, like, Charlie, like, asked some question about, like, oh, what does it mean to be, like, you know, the, in the WWE or something like that? And knowing... What Rick is, you know, recently appeared on TMZ for talking about the whole, you know, the man lawsuit. Like he kind of danced around the the subject, and he just kind of got into it himself. Where he's he's like, you know, the WWE are my family. Uh, we've been through a lot of ups and downs. Hopefully, more ups than downs. Um, and then just kind of like yeah. progress. But
1: I was we, actually we should clarify that there isn't a lawsuit, but it is um. You know, he's talked about like filing for the trademark over it, but it's—I hmm. I assume like none of that was brought up in all of this. Uh, no, I, I didn't see the final ten minutes. I didn't think. Well, knowing Rick Flair, I can totally see him just just going and just uh, being very uh, transparent about everything that's going on. But I assume that was avoided. Well, thing
0: is, I was actually surprised that he not only appeared on on this, although like this could be a separate deal with them and in, in, in cricket, cricket wireless, but, but I mean, he appeared on SmackDown itself.
1: Yeah, he he was showing tonight. Um, didn't come out with Charlotte, but they did a backstage cutaway with him with Charlotte. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so maybe things uh, aren't aren't that bad. I got up until the point where they talked about how they just text back and forth emojis. I, I'm I'm I was really
0: surprised at like how much like Ric Flair seems to know about emojis. He said he used like the smiley face and the 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 the, the bicep recently. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, anyway, Charlotte is going to be taking on Sasha later on. They recapped Eric Rowan's win over Roman Reigns, and we get the sit down with Michael Cole and Eric Rowan towering over Michael Cole wearing his Cannibal Corpse shirt. You know that, band? I do know Cannibal Corpse. Cool. Do you? I've heard of them, I've not, not heard of a song of theirs. Rowan is stunned that Michael Cole even knows his name. He is not going to answer questions about Luke Harper. And Michael Cole, in the most calm manner, says that some people called your attacks attempted manslaughter. Rowan defended himself, saying, I was just trying to scare him. Cole yelled, you were trying to kill him. To which I guess some people meant Michael Cole. Rowan won't let anyone speak for him any longer. And he's not going to lower his tone. He's not a goon or a puppet. He's a leader. Michael Cole says... Why did you betray Daniel Bryan after all the opportunities he gave you? And Rowan said, I am far superior mentally and physically than Daniel Bryan. Which is a hell of a statement because I, I look at Daniel Bryan as pretty mentally, very enhanced mentally. He's a smart guy.
0: We don't know much about Eric Rowan. So, I mean, I'm sure it's,
1: you tried to make wine before. It It does take a level of sophistication that we maybe do not give proper credit to eric rowan for but he will never be disrespected again and that concluded our sit-down interview with eric rowan a, a fascinating individual you know rowan certainly came
0: across far better in this setting than he did last week in front of a live audience and uh, i think baby steps are important right now and it seems like they're actually serious about pushing eric rowan as a leader as
1: you know uh his a gimmick is he's not going to be quiet anymore so uh, Whether you're a fan of his talking or not, it seems like that's going to be a huge part is like this guy doing a lot of talking like that's the big basis of his character that he's been muted for all this time.
0: I also took this to, you know, really further (laughs) tie up, uh, I guess, loose ends of this terrible, terrible storyline where, you know, where was Cole, the journalist asking about the the state of this twin? Sure. Or who is driving the forklift like a, a bunch of other things. They could I I thought for sure they would have just like named Luke Harper the the other guy but I guess anyway it it doesn't matter at this point um but I think this was further done to show that yes he was responsible and to like drive all doubt that Daniel Bryan was ultimately a, a part uh you know behind all this out of the audience's mind so yeah I don't know I I found it still a little over the top for for me but in wrestling like that that might not be that
1: bad Shinsuke Nakamura versus Ali was scheduled next. And Sami Zayn comes out. He's still got the neck brace. He's demanding respect. He says that, Ali, when you beat Nakamura a few weeks ago, that was before I had joined Nakamura. He is no longer the same man. And uh, just for everyone looking for the chronology, a few weeks ago was July the 30th that Ali pinned Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> and he, yeah. he said, Ali will never be a champion. And Nakamura cheap shots Ali with a knee from the, to the back of the head drives Ali into the buckle and then left him laying with a Kinshasa. So the match never starts, but it looks like Ali is finally getting his program with Nakamura and we're moving on from the Miz. Right. He beat the Miz, right?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, well, yeah, that's, I think that's for the better. I think this will probably be a higher quality match. Um, you know, depending on how many shenanigans I think we get from Sami Zayn. I think Sami Zayn is really talented and he's been actually really entertaining. Like, I found him here. Like, he drove this segment. He The segment was really all him and I thought he was really funny, but hopefully, like, when it comes time for, for the Bell to Bell,
1: um, they'll be left. They'll leave it's this gonna, alone. It's going to be interesting if they keep Nakamura and Zayn together after the draft or they decide to just separate them. Don't you think it's too early for them to give up on this? Well, that's what I'm saying is that that's going to kind of tell the tale. Do they think this is working or not?
0: The problem is what else do you do with Nakamura? Because clearly they don't have that much confidence in him speaking. Um, you know, unless he gets the subtitle
1: treatment, which I'm not I was going to say, there was this there's this woman named Rio. <laughs> or there
0: is a tag team named the AOP. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah yeah i I'd be curious for them to at least give that a shot, but I think they are at least slightly you know it seems like they're pretty invested in this Zane Nakamura tandem right now.
1: Maybe we'll get the authors of Zane and we'll get subtitles for all of these guys, including Sami Zayn, maybe yes huh. Kevin Owens comes through the crowd, he takes a seat. Shane McMahon is watching this backstage and referee John Cohn comes in to tell him someone is here to see you. <laughs> and in the most unintentionally hilarious line tells Shane that Kevin Owens has also arrived as he's watching Owens in the crowd. And Shane just looks at the screen and says, really? <laughs> I, I, that's the kind of comedy I enjoy. That's just like very subtle, but was just so, delivered so well. And it's just it just lets the joke sink on the viewer at home and I just I laughed I thought this was really funny we all find enjoyment in different things it's just John Cohen said this like with with such authority like he was informing Shane of some big uh reveal like Kevin Owens has also arrived thanks dumbass so Shane walks out and he is served with legal papers yeah maybe um maybe it was a trademark notice from another person at the arena today, and he's going to have to bill himself as Shane Mick.
0: Shane Mick. Yes, I get it. Yes. Nice.
1: Sometimes you just say the joke, you <laughs> let it land in its own time. Ah, Somebody out there
0: probably laughed really, really hardly.
1: Kevin Owens, uh, oh, sorry. Owens is cheering from his seat. He's chanting SmackDown. When Shane comes out, Corey Graves said putting Kevin Owens on camera increases his independent value. <laughs> so get <laughs> away from him. Graves has had quite the week. I think once he got beta cuck out there, he realized I can do anything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's leaning into it. Absolutely. His, uh, um, yeah. That, Cause the, uh, uh, it had been reported that Vince McMahon was not there on Monday night. So maybe, maybe Corey Graves without Vince McMahon in, in his ears feels much more freer where maybe there would be other times that he would think that beta cuck might not be what I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot my shot with that particular line tonight. Would Vince McMahon be aware of like,
0: like, you know, (laughs) even just why that would be controversial?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't don't know know if that would be one of my questions. If I ever spoke with Vince McMahon and asked him his his awareness of mm. Kevin Owens is invited into the ring with Shane and Shane informs us that he has been served with the largest wrongful termination lawsuit in history I am oh, I'm looking for people to look this up for verification because I am sure that there have been wrongful termination lawsuits that would be at or above this level but please inform us He says that if he loses this Owens could be awarded 25 million dollars I think
0: their concept of like dollar figures really fascinates me. (laughs) Like when they're coming up with these bullshit, like, you know, uh, um, dollar amounts, they have to think of like numbers that sound big enough to like your average viewer.
1: Wait a minute. We just saw Becky find $10,000.
0: I mean, so it wasn't that intense, but like a hundred thousand for attacking the referee that uh, I guess, you know, it fits the balance of being life changing. And also, I don't know. Um, Makes you feel sympathetic for the person who has to suffer from that. Um, 25, like, to, I don't know. I just, I'm very curious to know how they come up with these. Amounts. Okay.
1: You can't make this up. Okay. So I looked up the lar- the largest wrongful termination verdicts. Okay. And the site I came across is the lar the largest wrongful termination verdicts in California. So there was a case in 2017, Babiak versus cardiovascular systems. Plaintiff, an excellent salesperson, complained that other salespeople were breaking FDA law by promoting CSI's leg catheter for use in heart arteries, which it didn't have FDA approval for. CSI, stick with me, way, retaliated by demoting, increasing his quota, taking away good territory, and then firing him. The award was for compensatory and punitive damages. Do you know what he was awarded, way? $25 million twenty five million one hundred thousand
0: dollars <laughs> so evidently maybe some research went into making up this amount
1: but they they should have increased they should have gone above it they owen should have been suing them for twenty five point two million i guess we don't know the rest of the numbers maybe they added $1. this is only california so anyway there's one at least in california that debunks this as the largest one ever um California woman awarded 167 million dollars in employer retaliation case. So maybe Owens wasn't even scratching the surface here. Um, mm. Anyway, so the the case is laid out here by Shane McMahon, and Owens calls him a dumbass. Shane says you have a weak case. Owens disagrees. He says Shane has ruined SmackDown by making it his personal p- playground, and said. I might have put my hands on Elias, but then last week, I was a referee, and I was attacked by you, and you put your hands on an official. The crowd starts chanting, you tapped out, referencing the loss to Chad Gable last week, and said, Kevin Owens tried to work with Shane, but now you're trying to affect my life's work and affect my family, and now I just want to hurt you, but I know where I'm going to hurt you where it hurts most, in your wallet and with your pride. Because there's another clause in this lawsuit, and I guarantee that uh, the the woman in California or this uh, this other employer in California didn't have to deal with that. If Shane wins his case, he can enter this ring and in front of the WWE universe, he can tell Shane McMahon, "Your universe. universe. It's the it's the alternate reality that Shane is fired." And Owens leaves through the crowd, and why do I have a feeling, way that this is going to be a lawsuit settled in the ring? Um,
0: because <laughs> that's how cases like this usually pan out. All wrong for ter- terminations result in a match at Hell in a Cell, don't they? Um, or Fox? I don't know.
1: Whatever. W- wait, like- where would you put this? Because I think I I could definitely see this happening on Fox as opposed to Hell in a Cell. Yeah. I mean, uh, with with it being two weeks away with Shane McMahon's job on the line, I sure. could definitely see them doing this on on TV as opposed to on um, the pay-per-view. Like, I really feel this Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It's it's almost unfortunate, the timing of it, that it's here. But I mean, it is what it is. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's a show that should not be prioritized above Fox.
0: Yeah, I think there there are sound arguments for both, but if your your priority is Fox, then throw all the best shit on Fox. Why not? Um, you know, I'd love to be able to speak to, like, any listener out there who might be a lawyer who who would be able to, to try to help us analyze whether or not this, in any way, shape, or form, is valid at all in, in, in just... Because it comes really across to me, like, like a six-year-old's understanding of the legal system. And, uh... <laughs> um i'm really curious to hear a professional's opinion on on just the how this was laid out
1: yeah maybe maybe this is vince mcmahon's interpretation of the purdue pharma uh <laughs> case that's going on right now sure for um uh, people that were hooked on oxycontin um anyway so it's it we're we're building up to a very big uh payoff here with yeah. kevin owens and shane mcmahon and kind of I kind of had the sense, like, coming out of SummerSlam, like, this is where it would go. Like, Owens had his career on the line, and it's always been about Shane ruining SmackDown. That this feels like this is going to be the big blow off of uh, Mm. Shane's job at stake against Kevin Owens. So, yeah, yeah, it's, um, I I would imagine if it's going to be on Fox, like, you got to set that up, I would say by next week, absolutely, at the latest.
0: Do you think Owens did enough to explain his justification for siding with Shane last week?
1: No, I didn't think, I I think that was really handled badly last week, and I, I mean, the explanation was, I tried to work with you, but I tried to work with you, I was thinking about my family, like,
0: that's pretty much what he said, for, for turning on, on Chad Gable. Right, yes. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I, you know, after seeing this, um, I'm sure, like, last week, it felt really dire, but. Like, if he had went to NXT like he had teased without resolving this, I think I would have been really upset. But the fact that this seems to suggest he might be giving Shane some level of of comeuppance, I think coming out of it, Owens will be
1: perfectly fine. I think ultimately he beat Shane. He gets the storyline credit for kicking Shane off TV. Um, I I think it's like, it's a clean slate at that point. And you bring Kevin Owens back. Because what Kevin Owens has is he's a great promo, and he is over to this crowd. And... It's it's not like he's fighting the current or anything like that. I think the audience wants to be behind this guy. But man, this guy has had to maneuver some terrible babyface booking since SummerSlam. That um, at least tonight was a solid step forward in in yeah. that sense. And I certainly feel like after,
0: you know, the past couple of weeks, we can really shelve the comparisons to Stone Cold Steve Austin with this current incarnation of Kevin Owens. Because I don't think not only would, would Austin never do what, you know what Owens did last week.
1: If I don't you want me Austin. to file a wrongful termination lawsuit
0: with a yeah. hidden clause... I don't see Austin doing that ever either, so
1: I, this is clearly a very different character. Maybe we should just stop with the comparisons now. Well, then take the stunner away, because yeah. they really invite those comparisons. Um, we get the shot here of Charlotte getting ready with her father in the back, but that was it. I thought for sure Rick was coming out with him, especially given the, uh, the celebrity that they had here. Mm-hmm. But... Um, they re-aired the AOP promo and then we cut to the ring and the rapper offset is all decked out in a Ric Flair robe. The man behind the Ric Flair drip was yeah. here. And I thought, like, this like sometimes they really shoehorn these celebrities in, but what a what a great uh call to have him here and this felt like a Ah, this is just a, a great little add-on here. I just wish we got a thing with, like, Offset and Ric Flair together for one interaction. Me too. Me too. Especially, you know, the fact that they told us he was
0: there backstage. Um, yeah, I wonder what that says. Uh, I wonder... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's even not that much to look into it. Maybe, But I think it would, it would have ultimately perhaps benefited Charlotte to, like, be seen with the three of them together.
1: So, anyway, whatever. But this was cool. Yeah. You look great yep. in the robe. Uh, Charlotte came out, um, gave Offset a hug, and then we had the match with Sasha and Charlotte Flair. A long time since they've had a singles match together. Bailey was in the corner. They quickly go through the break. Flair did the, uh, the flip over in the corner and then booted Sasha from the apron. They go over their own history, having a hell of a cell match together. Banks tried a Hurricane Rana, but it was blocked and turned into a Boston Crab. And Banks got out of that and cradled Charlotte for a two count. Banks is sent off the apron with a boot. Flair then climbs and hits the top rope moonsault to the floor onto both Sasha and Bailey. And then Flair gets up from a roll through in the ring, applies the figure four. She's uh, preparing for the figure eight when Bailey attacks her for the disqualification at 751. I thought the match was good. I, I really quite enjoyed it. I, I mean, I almost forget
0: now that these two had so many matches together and that I was pretty sick of them by that point. But, I, you know, both characters feel very different now. Um, I I thought this. They was... pretty
1: much have stayed away for like most of 2018, as I recall, and all of this year. So yeah. it's been like you're going back to like 2017 and before that when they were kind of in the heat of just all of those singles matches and title changes. Yeah, Sasha
0: Sasha's always been on Raw, and Charlotte's been on SmackDown ever since. Right.
1: I thought a, a good job from both
0: women here. Um, and then we get into the post match.
1: Post match sees. Bailey and Sasha beating down Charlotte and Carmella runs down to help out Charlotte shoves down. Bailey hits banks with a super kick. And then flair hits Bailey with a running boot. And it just kind of felt weird. Like it was like Carmella was in the Becky Lynch spot. And I guess just wanting to get Carmella a spot and aligning her with Charlotte flair, Uh, because the thinking may have been for the pay-per-view that we needed to have Charlotte and Becky have this moment together, but we don't really want to have them as as friends at this point. And we'll just insert Carmella here and maybe keep Charlotte and Becky apart. Yeah, you think I don't, so. I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to just guess like why why Carmela here versus like this was a role that just seems so like designed for for Becky to do to repay the favor of Charlotte coming to help her.
0: Yeah, who knows uh, what what I think the reason is. It certainly would have made more sense. And I think the crowd was a little bit, bit disappointed that it wasn't Becky because it was certainly set up to, to feel like it was supposed to be Becky. Uh, or Rick running out. That would have... Or Offset running out for the save. <laughs> Any of those. Carmella yeah. was not in everyone's top three. For sure. But I'm also happy to see Carmella, you know, get a spot, though, because I feel like this, you know main event scene has kind of been dominated by the same people for a while now. So I think Carmella kind of deserves a shot.
1: Then we had Baron Corbin's coronation segment and Corey Graves says that I've got a great rapport with the King and I'm not talking about that bum from Memphis. Ooh. And he puts on the Cape and crown. Uh, He exemplifies everything it takes to be King. He's generous and fair. He won the tournament with honor. And then he calls out Chad Gable to acknowledge him. And this just led to a procession of short jokes. It's mighty big of you to come out here tonight. You've been overlooked. You came up short last night. Gable finally snaps and attacks him. Is Chad Gable Bagel Boss? I mean... Like, it seems like here's the little guy who has a short fuse. And that seems to be the inspiration for chad
0: gable i think he's a less he's not as obnoxious as bagel boss and i think he's more likable than bagel boss like because he sulks you know he like feels bad whenever these jokes are made whereas bagel boss would just like yell at you and you know not
1: take any shit what's a better nickname shorty g or gable box gable boss (laughs) gable boss you literally can spell (laughs) bagel out of gable wow you blew my mind. I think I'm really onto something here. <laughs> like literally, Gable, you can spell bagel with yes, yes.
0: <laughs> wow, Gable Boss, Gable Boss. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I think I don't know if Chad Gable can promo like the Bagel Boss. Um, as a no, heel, I guess. don't, I don't think
1: so. Do Do you know that uh, the Bagel Boss has been training with Chris Weidman and Ally Aquinta?
0: Yes, unfortunately,
1: it's um <laughs> some celebrity that they're like. Building up some fight with with him.
0: Well, Bagel Boss would be a perfect fit into this uh, Maria Canellis, Mike Canellis, Beta Cuck storyline. So I don't know. Maybe you're, we're we're talking about him too much. I feel in a wrestling pl- show.
1: They plugged NXT for Wednesday night and Roderick Strong, Velveteen Dream, which is really like the only match they're pushing for USA because Matt Riddle and Killian Dane is on the second hour. I don't think they've stated if the four way between the women is going to be on USA or on the network, you would think for an hour you need at least two matches on there. So hmm. anyway, um yeah, it was funny. I I pu- I put out a poll asking people what they thought Wednesday is going to do that first hour. Um going anywhere from 700,000 to over 900, and it seems like everyone's divided on like what this show is going to do. I I got uh, some people who think it's going to it's going to hit a million. I got others think it's going to be under 700,000. I'm I'm predicting it's going to be around 800 is my prediction. How much did that special do the last time they were on TV? Oh, I don't have the figure. I want to say like around 850, but don't quote me on that. I think around that, and that was like not heavily promoted. It was on, I believe it was it was, it was on a Wednesday night, and that was that was around 2017. I think they it did it was that.
0: December 13, 2017, 841 thousand, and that okay. was. With very minimal promotion on, you know, in December. Like, certainly far less than even this. So.
1: Uh, yeah, we're going to see. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm low. Maybe I'm low. Yeah. What, what's your official prediction? Uh, I'm going to say. I'm going to say 850. That's my prediction. I'm going to say I'll go nine. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see. Um. You know, I I don't think people should freak out. Whatever the number is, it's also twenty seventeen, which might be very different from how ratings are right now. You know, well, it's um, you know, it's it's gotten a good level of promotion, but I wouldn't say it's been like they've hit you over the head with this. Um, I think the promotion honestly hasn't really come from the bodies of the shows themselves.
0: It's been a the talk online, like on shows like ours, on websites, on forums, on Twitter, and this whole AEW thing. You know, yeah. people are aware that this is the debut. But it's not from watching Raw or SmackDown. It's from being, you know, in, in these types of circles online.
1: Yeah. I mean, that AEW countdown show doing 300,000 viewers for a nothing Friday night slot. I mean, that to me is um, telling that there's um, – that, that makes me pretty optimistic about the hunger for an AEW audience. Um, mm. And maybe tomorrow night we're going to see something uh, – a really strong – um a strong yeah. audience for it but i will say for like we keep talking about maybe the big push is more for october 2nd but man think of that week debuting on fox like you can't be promoting all this different stuff and i think that it's like that show on october 2nd it's going to be tough to be heavily promoting fox and nxt that same week and they're going to have a lot of things to juggle that week uh forget the pay-per-view that sunday
0: it's a good point and i i, I guess it would be more so the the job of nxt itself to kind of promote its own big show coming up on on the second
1: um then we had heavy machinery against the b team uh otis is okay, now wearing okay. trunks. The, the gable um oh thing. he just uh he he attacked uh he attacked corbin tore off the robe attacked him with the scepter destroyed the set and then for the big moment stomped on Baron's crown and got a big pop here after milking the audience until he stomped on the crown. So uh, does this mean Baron is not going to have the the king attire? Was it all destroyed here by Chad Gable? Was that what this was to signify?
0: I would say so. Um, has a king like ever remade a crown following a destruction? Maybe they have. I, I, I don't think he needs it. I think... Honestly, I'm a little surprised that they even... I just think it's a little goofy and I certainly don't see him like give him a trophy, you know, give him like a, the Edge edges trophy or whatever. But um, I I I thought the destruction was actually done really well. It was very satisfying to see like Chad Gable do a double leg into the throne and have the throne smash into a million pieces. I thought, and and the the way they set up like the 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 stomping on the crown, I thought that was all done really well. I still have to ask, you know, after all this though, is Chad Gable, you know, in a better spot? doing this or would it have been better to actually give him the tournament win?
1: Well, I look at it from this way, especially you're eliminating all the King stuff. I really don't see Corbin being like, to me, this tournament, it's valued by you're creating someone that can now pivot to a main event program. And I don't see Corbin doing that. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this month long tournament, what does Baron Corbin get out of this? As opposed, uh, not like throwing out the fact that I think, he greatly benefited in other ways from this tournament, but tangibly within the body of the show, Yeah, if you're not doing the King gimmick, what is he just won? And could this have been more valuable to somebody else? Well, this really, if, if, if it doesn't last and, you know, considering that it's Baron
0: Corbin, who's done stuff like this, won things like this in the past, this could ultimately mean little more than the Andre battle Royal or like the, you know, um, which Baron has also won. Yes. Or the greatest Royal rumble. Um, at least you can look towards, like, Shane McMahon winning the, the crown jewel thing with some type of, like, positivity since he's run with that gimmick so for so long. Um, but I don't know because Baron Corbin's been through all this and he hasn't really been elevated after those things. Again, like, how much more would this have benefited somebody like a Ricochet or even Samoa Joe?
1: Yeah, King Ricochet was, like, a, a natural to, to go good to. good in a crown, you know? Yeah, if you even want to go that way, and it's... um, He could make a crown look cool, I think.
0: I don't know about Baron Corbin, though. Or Shorty G.
1: <laughs> or Gable Boss. I love it, Gable Boss. Heavy machinery in the B-team. Uh, Otis is now wearing trunks, as opposed to the singlet look. Uh, they double-teamed Otis. He fought back. Uh, Tom Phillips brought up a great point during this match. We could see these two teams separated in the draft. So is that really the case cuz that hasn't been the case um for these shakeups. Well, that's what Tom Phillips said. I I wonder if that stuff has even been decided upon right now. Do teams stay together or can teams be separated?
0: There are um, no teams there like currently that I I would want to see separated. Even the B team cuz I think those two guys on their own like there's nothing for them. They would just be forgotten mm-hmm. about.
1: I'm um, trying to think right now like of your tag teams at the moment yeah, you don't want to be breaking up the USOs. You don't like you just yeah. put Rude and Ziggler together. The yeah. authors should be together. Heavy Machinery should be together. Viking Raiders should be together. Um,
0: I can't think of a single team.
1: The Revival, uh
0: The uh, New Day. Oscar and Curry say maybe, but they're barely even a team right now.
1: I'm not familiar with them. Um, I only watch <laughs> WWE.
0: Fire um, and Desire, maybe I'd want to break up just so that they stop doing the mashup uh entrance with their entrance themes.
1: Listen, it's it's whatever they decide. If they think, hey, we've got a strong idea for one of these people, then they're going to separate a team. If not, then they won't. Could so. they be looking at an Otis single run? Um, I don't know if you'd get much more out of him as a singles run versus him with Tucker. Like, I think there's a very, there's certainly a great, like, this guy is a tremendous babyface for house shows, uh, almost in that Rikishi role, and not just because he's big, but just, he gets like an energy out of the crowd. Very charismatic. But I don't think him on his own is any more valuable than him in this presentation with Tucker. And I would definitely worry about Tucker if he got separated from Otis. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's possible, but I, I just, I don't think in the long run, it would be a difference maker for either guy and probably would hinder them. Final segment saw Daniel Bryan come out and he's, his walk down the ring was the baby face turn. Um, I guess the choke slam kind of uh, signaled, but yeah. this was confirmation. He's now a babyface because we've given now Eric Rowan uh, credit for the attacks, the attempted murder. Mm-hmm. He says some people chanting my name were accusing me of being behind the attacks on Roman Reigns, and I understand why. Good or bad, I have never lied to you people. He stands before them, exonerated of all the heinous acts. And he is here to speak about Eric Rowan. He saw Eric Rowan. He saw his potential, his talent, and how intelligent and special he was. And he treated Rowan as his equal and his friend, because he is my friend. Still saying this in the present tense. Rowan comes out, and he tells Dan to stop. He says he always stood behind him, never spoke. Well, he won't be disrespected any longer. Brian says, there is nothing you could do worse to me then lie and challenges him to do something when Luke Harper jumps Dan from behind and they double team him. This leads to Roman reigns coming out to a total babyface reaction. He ducks Harper, Superman punched to Rowan, then he drops Harper drive by is delivered to Rowan, but then turns into a boot from Harper, and Rowan and Harper just go to town. They beat down security, they slam security onto the exposed floor. Roman reigns gets power bombed into the post. And then they clear the desk and give the big double choke slam to Brian, putting him through the table. And Reigns and Brian are left laying. Very strong angle to end the show. Also, poor Tom Phillips, poor guy got like thrown
0: into like some something and just like ended up laying there for like the rest of the show. Uh, really good destruction at the end here. Very intense uh, from the Bludgeon Brothers,
1: which they haven't called them yet. No, it's just Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Yeah. Um I I thought I, this was a really a really good angle Roman. and um I what I was worried about was that this was going to be presented with Daniel Bryan as kind of the is he really turning or is it is this all a ruse and I think this really did feel like they are turning Bryan but uh, we'll see. I mean, I I don't want Roman Reigns to be in a position where he kind of looks the fool at the end of all of this. But Oh, we can see they could they could either just use this as <laughs> the they time all to look t-
0: like fools coming out of this.
1: Well, like. I think for this draft, like you do need some main event baby faces badly. And Daniel Bryan's a phenomenal heel, but he's also like a guy that they can trust as a main event baby face as well. I would love for,
0: for Daniel Bryan to kind of, you know, if he's I am a little disappointed that he's going to turn heel, but I wouldn't be as disappointed if he tur- sorry if he turned baby face. I wouldn't be as disappointed if he turned a baby face while maintaining this new kind of crazed heel edge. I mean, maybe he could finally now
1: promote recycling and environment. Yeah, we, we, we don't want Daniel Bryan. Who's grateful. We want yeah. Daniel Bryan who may make up your fucking trash. Yes.
0: Yes. And you can argue like he was already turning this audience anyway. Like people want to cheer for him. Um, so I hope he continues this, you know, new stick but perhaps in a more fan friendly manner. But, um, you know, in order for me to like enjoy any of this, I really have to forget like and give myself amnesia over the past three, four weeks. Um, anytime I try to think back to the past and how any of this adds up, I just continue to give myself a headache. So if we just judge this segment for what it was, uh the Bludgeon Brothers versus Daniel Bryan, I I think I this was
1: good. This was overall I thought a good Smackdown. Oh, I thought it was a really good SmackDown. I thought that they set up so many things for the next uh, couple of weeks for Fox, for the pay-per-view. Um, we only had three matches, but, I mean, that six-man was really lengthy as well. So, I, And this, to me, was a show where it was more about um, angles and storylines versus just in-ring or anything like that. I, I really enjoyed the SmackDown quite a lot. I thought this was one of the the better WWE shows in a number of weeks. And- I, I I came out of it like you're you've got all this stuff that's kind of in place now for um, Lesnar and Kofi with the tag the tag scenario at the end, which um, again like you do have to put stuff on this pay per view. I could see um, you know depending on what what they do with Owens and Shane, like um, perhaps the tag is what you save for Hell in a Cell, but I mean who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought the matches like the two that we
0: got, I thought were actually quite good. So. It was an easy watch,
1: yeah. Nothing, I mean, nothing embarrassing or made made me question life. Even like Heavy Machinery was a throwaway match, but like Otis got really over there. A the crowd was into it. Like this was overall, I I thought a pretty pretty strong episode of SmackDown. So let us go to the feedback. Um, on a scale of one to ten, I I am gonna go eight on this show. Way, do you think the form is higher or lower than my? Uh, oh, you're being so positive. <laughs> I'm gonna say lower, a little. Six point six
0: three. Wow. I'm surprised by they, this. I think that's lower than Raw. This crowd liked Raw more than well. Clearly,
1: clearly, we're very off base. But just totally. Like, I am I crazy? I really enjoyed this this SmackDown tonight. I found it was like a really easy two hours to get into. Well, let's hear what the people have to say. Andy in and Columbus. I think bringing Brock back is the right call. TV money probably already dictated that he's more valuable. There, than on the WWE Network, but with these new contracts, it's a no-brainer. Kofi Kingston's title win was a great WrestleMania moment, but the reign has been pretty lousy. I can't see them doing the Young Bucks-Lucha Brothers again so soon, so which team gets upset in the first round, or perhaps both? I see the Lucha Brothers moving on. Okay, and could you see Private Party beating the Young Bucks in a big upset? Oh, right, yes, that is the match. Um, I, I could see... No, okay, so we actually... got. Okay, I think the Lucha Brothers will move on, but I think the Bucks will also move on. You think it'll be Lucha Brothers and Bucks? Yeah. Like, that's that's the strongest match to put on TV. Actually, but they just did it, so maybe... maybe. But how many people did not see that match that might be new viewers on mm. TNT? I still think maybe it's a little too soon, especially after doing that ladder war. So who are, the, who are the Lucha Brothers facing again? The Lucha Brothers are facing Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy.
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: You could do the Bucks against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. You or could Private um, Party and Lucha Brothers,
0: or have them both get upset. Sure, why not?
1: It's unpredictable. That's good. You you can make different arguments. I I kind of lean towards doing the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. I know some people might complain that it's too soon, but it's you're trying to put on the like, like what is going to have the most uh, attention for TV. Um, I I could see a strong argument for that. We
0: got a Brandon from Oshawa who says, all I can think of after the show is with the potential of a Daniel Bryan face turn and Brock most likely winning the championship from Kofi, maybe we could finally get Bryan and Lesnar with more than a few days of build, hopefully leading into Mania next year. What do you guys think is the end game for Zayn and Akamora? Should Sammy manage more guys? Will one of them eventually turn on the other? Which one should turn?
1: Yeah, you could certainly build this eventually to doing the turn and then they could do a, a program together. Um. I, I think it'll be interesting to see if they're kept together in the draft or not. I think that will dictate, do they view this as a success or do we pull the plug on this and these two are... Because remember, like, Sami Zayn is, you know, this is a contracted wrestler. Are we getting the most out of him as in a manager role in a company that, you know, for for the majority of the last 20 years have not been always the highest on just strictly having managers? It's, you know, they're more in vogue now than they were in the past, but... Uh, especially like it's one thing to have a Paul Heyman. It's another for a guy who's perfectly capable of being a full-time wrestler um, being utilized in a managerial role long-term. But I sense that they're very low on Zayn as
0: a single star. Uh, you know, he, as great as he is in ring, I, I think they, I feel like in their eyes, he's already reached his ceiling and he's not really capable of more. Meanwhile, Nakamura, without a mouthpiece, in their opinion, I don't know if they could use Nakamura. So I I see them keeping this for a bit unless it fails spectacularly, in which case um, I would actually be a little concerned for both guys because I think we've seen what how they book them you know without each other and I really do feel like th- in their eyes this is the best that they could do with both of them at this point. Should Sami Zayn manage more guys? Let's make sure that this I think gets off the ground first. I will say.
1: Yeah, and if and if you're down on him, I mean that's where you look at: is this guy more valuable on NXT right now? Uh the answer to, for both of those guys is yes. I think so. Like, but... like that to me becomes the, you know if we have nothing for you on the main roster, like that, they need stars on NXT. Um, I don't know if that's I, I wouldn't want to make that like um some failed experiment on the main roster just get sent to NXT all the time. But it's if it's for that versus. A managerial role where you've – it's kind of just your last resort, which it's very unfortunate that that's at the point with Sami Zayn because I think in a different environment, uh, we would just be absolutely flabbergasted at how they screwed up this guy who – I mean, this guy should be a significant player and not someone we're talking about as what do you do with this guy? Yeah. And that goes for both of them. Paul from New Jersey, solid opening match. Definitely glad that it looks like Kingston and Orton are done feuding. But was it me or did Brock Lesnar get little to no pop? I have no idea what to make of the Shane McMahon Kevin Owens feud. Convoluted. Bailey Carmelo. I, I don't know. It's like it's it's a bit tricky with like a lawsuit involved, but it's like it's building up to a showdown, like a big match stipulation. Like I thought that was pretty clear.
0: I think if you tried to actually study the legal ramifications, I
1: I would probably agree that. It's well, a in WWE, the law is really simple. Yeah. Always read the contract. And if you don't (laughs) tough shit, Bailey Carmelo works for me. And I enjoyed Chad Gable crashing the Corbo nation. Those guys are getting reactions from the crowd and I'm glad the feud is continuing. Rowan not only sounded good, but he and Harper came off like monster vicious heels question. I know the rosters are going to be pretty set in stone eventually, but do you see anyone else returning to NXT from the main roster, perhaps an Apollo cruise or the Iconics? They've teased a few things on their social media, but I can't put a lot of stock into that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, but yes, I can definitely see um, some main roster talent ending up in NXT. um with this move to USA. Certainly somebody like Apollo Crews, hundred percent. I mean, the guy
0: has been spending years now on the main roster, achieving zero. Whereas I think in NXT, you can really paint him with a fresh coat of paint and hopefully finally get him ready up for, you know, either our SmackDown in the future. That's really what NXT should be. It's a place to rehab guys that you think have a lot more potential, uh, but haven't achieved it yet for whatever reason. I don't really see the same with the Iconics. I mean, I feel like NXT, is going to favor much more like you know it's going to be a, put put a lot more emphasis on the work rate and seeing the women's division there right now i really just don't see the demand for the iconics unless it's a one-time thing um but
1: crews definitely um you know I, who, I i can see like like one or two notable people being put there and and how like like who like I what mean, level the, is what i mean I, I would say, like, right below, like, main event level. I, I could see them t- just in taking balance? somebody to, to make a big deal of to, to put on NXT. Sure. Yeah, I could see that, too. Uh, we, my turn? Yeah, you're up. We got a Sam from Oswego,
0: New York. Hey, guys. Tonight's SmackDown was an interesting one. On Sunday, when I called in, I stated that Kofi needs a fresh feud. And, oh, my God, was I spot on. I said Lesnar would be perfect for Kofi, and even though I see this as a squash, it will be a fun one to watch. Kofi's title reign has been stale, and if they still want to have Roman win a title, this is their chance. The Roman promo with Cole was good, sorry, the Rowan promo was good, uh, and I liked how the story of Rowan and such took over the show. To be honest, I don't like the whole story at the moment for Kevin Owens. However, it could turn into something nice. Chad Gable once again showed that he is over with the crowd and that he has finally had enough of the short jokes. In the end, the show ended really well and the destruction of the ringside along with the opponents involved had me remembering the Nexus debut.
1: It was a good ending. I liked it a lot. Um, Richmond writes, this show had a whole hour with no wrestling. I considered tuning into the WNBA game. That's how trash this show was. Wow, Brock with another absentee title run. Congrats on the lemon, Fox. Brock versus Roman at Mania? I'm calling it now. No Murphy, no Aleister Black, or good wrestling after the opener. I feel sorry for the cruiserweights following this show. Mm.
0: I guess I've just come to like not necessarily expect wrestling
1: on the TV shows anymore. Like To me, dude, it's... Dude, it's... you got an eight, 17 and a half minute six man on mm. this show. Um, you got eight minutes from Charlotte and Sasha. Like you didn't get volume of matches, but you got cl- match time. Like there was quite a bit on this show. I, I think that's a, uh, that's a kind of empty complaint. On I this mean, show. I might be part of the minority,
0: but I-, I, I, tend to be more entertained by like interesting story development rather than a match happening for no reason. If there's
1: a time. reason for it, like if, if you got some great stories, I like, I don't care how little the wrestling is. If the other stuff is really great, I'm fine with that. Um, that's I, I don't know. I thought you had a pretty solid mix here and I thought that the the storyline stuff was way more essential on this show for a lot of big programs that they were setting setting up tonight.
0: Adam from the street wants to know if Brian versus Roman is ever going to happen. Uh I don't know. Um I it think it'll like, eventually happen, you know? But maybe they're they're trying to peak it for a later
1: time. They could. I mean, again, they could always do the like the it, it's It's almost at at the point right now where it's like one of those WCW turns. If Brian were to align with Harper and Rowan, it's kind of like you just have to be an an idiot to say, oh, of course, like this guy's put himself through all these tables. Like it makes no sense to do that. So I really hope they don't do that because I hate those turns.
0: I think that's done. And I think what they could do now is potentially have them, you know, be friends
1: and then like turn on each other over another issue, maybe at a later time. Last one here is from Coleman. An all right SmackDown. I'm really intrigued by the Reigns, Brian, Bludgeon Brothers angle. Kofi and Brock should be similar to Brock's matches with AJ and Brian, which I'm absolutely okay with. I think Owens and Shane should have the first ever WWE binding workplace mediation match at the first SmackDown on Fox. This type of grounded, realistic storytelling is definitely what Fox is looking for. All right. That is uh, that is our leading candidate for the debut on Fox, the first ever WWE binding workplace mediation match. A great line from Coleman. Uh, I'll watch. Sure. I have to. <laughs> uh, thank you everybody for your feedback. Yeah, uh, great feedback from everybody. So thank you all very much. Uh, Way and I are going to sign off, but we will be back Wednesday. We've got the British Wrestling Experience coming at you. The double shot for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. That will be up in the evening. And then Brayden and Davey with Up Next following the debut on the USA Network. So keep it locked on postwrestling.com. We will speak with you all on Wednesday. And as Way always says, sayonara.